Oh, guess what? We don't win down here. We lose. You ready for that? Oh, you, th oh, you were a post-millennialist. You thought we we're just going to go waltzing into the kingdom as you took over the world. No, we lose here. Get it. They killed Jesus. They killed all the apostles. This is Reconstructing Christianity. Join us as we encourage believers to reconstruct the heart of the Christian faith in this deconstructing world. Hi, hi, hi. That was our friendly neighborhood, John MacArthur, with his sermon of hope, of hope, restoration, and and honestly, a reconciliation for all people, right? Yeah, I mean, after that, I feel like I can go out into the world and just have victory. Amen, brother. Me too. No, I I love MacArthur, but that clip is going to live forever in infamy. Yeah, um, whenever we post something like that, we're not hating on people. Because some of these people we've loved, and we've actually we've learned a lot from these people. Oh, yeah, I've learned... I've learned a ton from MacArthur. For a lot of people, he's like the gateway drug to Reformed theology. Mm -hmm. But then when you get to eschatology, it just kind of all falls apart. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so upon recording this episode, we're right off the heels of the post-millennialism and theonomy conference. Ah, uh, yeah, baby. That yeah. was awesome. Still feeling fired up from it. Um, so as you can guess, mm. our topic today is post-millennialism. Yes, part one. Part one. Part one. There's a lot to cover. It's going to be in three different episodes. Oh snap! You guys better listen in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, don't forget if you have any objections or anything to leave them in the comments because we're going to have an episode where we want to be helpful and deal with any questions or uh, objections y'all have. So, what's up for today, Tim? Yeah, well, um, first, I guess, I think it'd be helpful to go over what brought us to uh, post-millennialism. What, what, what's our journey been? Kendrick, what convinced you to, of post-millennialism? Well, um, I became a Christian whenever I was 18, and I held sort of the standard dispy pre-mill. Um, in fact... Um, I'm ashamed to say this, but I, I kind of believed in the four blood moons thing, and that really, <laughs> oh no, yeah, that really <laughs> scared me into getting into the kingdom. Um, but a month before the return, and I'm putting this in air quotes, return of Christ came. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not. I ceased to believe that, but it still frightened me. So. Uh, most people don't know this, but Roman Catholics pick up the bad versions of Christianity. And oh, shots fired. Are you saying dispensationalism is a bad version of Christianity? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no. Oh, no. Making friends today. Making friends today. So, uh, we, so you might think of Roman Catholic as all mill, but honestly, in the culture, we picked up the dis... I mean, we, we didn't... I'm not a part of the Roman Catholic Church today, but... Um, Kendrick's a closet Roman Catholic. Closet Roman Catholic. Anyways, 
Um, that's what many people accuse me of. <laughs> so they picked they picked up the dispensational part, and I picked it up too. But over time, I viewed. I did not like it. It it led to many different bad areas for me. And so I picked up covenant theology after realizing that we are the new Israel. That really what convinced me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus Christ is is the perfect Israel, and by extension, we are that we are the new Israel grafted mm-hmm. into the old vine. Mm-hmm. And so that's what really did it for me. Um, and then after that, the thing I'm the this the eschatological dominoes kept on falling for me to where I got into Amil and the, I liked it but I liked it but I would have been consider, considered a po- a positive amillennialist mm-hmm. um and then I got postmill uh, and the verses that did it for me were, were um Hebrews uh, 10 was Hebrews 10 whenever he he declared that after the cross after his ascension Jesus Christ took the right hand of the father and the and the range and the kingship of David it doesn't specifically mention David there but oh we'll get into that don't worry give us some time the throne of David and the right hand of the father are basically the same in the author of in Luke's mind so thus in scripture's mind yeah so there's really no confusion and so unless unless you need the confusion to justify your eschatology am i right right (laughs) (laughs) so those two verses really i mean that really convinced me uh, that jesus is reigning now and that he's a layer in the verse it says he's putting all things under his feet and then i went to revelation and there's a now and not yet there's a now but not yet part in revelation where we have the kingdom now but we also have another kingdom later on if you read revelation sure and you know we might get into that in the next episode um yeah there's just a lot to cover there's just a lot to cover but that's mainly what did for me what about you tim uh yeah so i'm a little bit different um most people, uh, I think R.C. Sproul, James White, they tended to go from premillennialism to amillennialism to postmillennialism. For me, I hopped right from premillennialism to postmillennialism. Um, I just took the big leap. Um, I was premillennial in college, and I had friends um, challenge me in that belief. And I started studying these things for myself and the first domino was preterism once you realize a lot of these end times prophecies people use were already fulfilled in the first century that basically puts you in the millennial reign wait so you don't believe in uh, apache helicopters and bioengineered uh no no that would be a very stupid thing to believe oh (laughs) uh but anyways yeah so i just took the big leap um and i've been postmo for a while I basically arrived at that conclusion, and I, I I thought, okay, this is the right place to, to land on, and then I basically did nothing with it. I didn't know what to do with the fact that I was post-millennial. Mm-hmm. 
until recently around just about 2020 when things went to hell and now i i have the theology i guess to justify the attitude i have today yeah um so tim what attitude does post-millennialism have in your life yeah so i mean hope obviously um post-millennials believe things will get better over time um we believe in progression that things will get better so when you have that mentality of victory you're going to go out with that same mentality you're going to believe that your efforts out in the world will actually have fruit and not be pointless and not that the church is going to fail in its mission that we're going to lose down here yeah 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 Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) i'm still so shocked from that clip to be honest i I love macarthur but that was Mm. and even what he believes about post-millennialism is just not correct that's a straw man if i've ever heard one Mm -hmm. no post-millennialist believes you're going to go waltzing into the kingdom we believe in working for it yeah um uh, if you look at church history, obviously they worked for it, they died for it, and we believe that their fruits were not in vain, that they will conquer in the end. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and I guess, you know, because we believe we have victory, we go in with the mentality that it's going to be a battle. Yeah, it's going to be a battle out there. Um, you know, there's there's forces of evil out in the world, and... Our job as Christians is to shine a light on it. And you know when you shine a light on it, the shadows get a little bit darker, but there's less of them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my mentality. Also, it's interesting that all these bad things happen whenever we adopted dispensationalism nationally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the thing. And I... I know we've been picking on dispensationalists for the 10 minutes that we've been recording this episode already. We, I have a lot of dispensational brothers. I love them. The world, we have a lot of the times the same mission. But here's the thing. If you think the church is going to lose, that's going to affect your mentality. It's going to affect what you do. Don't tell me otherwise. I've seen it. That's why we're at where we're at. If you think the church is going to lose, that's going to make you a loser. Yeah, um, if you believe you're going to lose a fight, you're most likely going to lose a fight. Yeah, when when these guys are going up in a boxing match, if you go in with the mentality that you're going to lose, the other guy is going to destroy you. Yeah. you got to go in being confident that you can win. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so now that we have that out of the way, let's get into the theology of it. Why can we be confident that we're going to win? Well... First of all, I think we could go to Matthew 28 and see where our hope lies and what authority we can do these things. Yeah, and this is a passage most Christians are familiar with. And, you know, whatever your eschatology, everyone likes it. Oh, it's in the big letters of DBU, baby. There you go. But uh, let's focus on, I think, an area that's often missed when we read this passage. So starting in verse 16. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me on heaven and 
on earth. Oh no, that's just a spiritual realm, Tim. Yeah, no. Not just heaven, on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, Christ has authority on earth, and he commands us to go out and make disciples in his authority. Yeah, but that's just, you know, that's just in the 15th dimension. It's only beautiful <laughs> in the 15th dimension. I mean, that's where Jesus' authority is. You know, it's not really on the earth, is it, Tim? Well, it says on earth, so... <laughs> oh, oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, so if Christ has authority on earth, why are we losing? Because we have the loser mentality. We have the, we have that idea that Christ isn't reigning on earth. Mm-hmm. He's reigning. What did um, he? Uh, this author, this speaker said, um, "We believe that's not. It's not, that most Christians believe it's not here and now." Oh yeah, Dale Partridge. Dale Partridge said that it's not here and now. Um, all millennials say it's now but not it's oh now, but yeah it's you're here. talking joel webbin actually sorry joel webbin yeah uh he said it's now but not here uh pre say that it's gonna be here but not now uh but post-millennials say that it's here and now yeah um yeah that, he said we're the happy medium right yeah <laughs> yikes anyways uh <laughs> Yeah, we're the uh, contrary happy media. Yeah, there we go. But we're the winsome ones. We're the winsome ones, man. <laughs> so um, we believe that the kingdom is here, will be, it, and we do it on earth. We establish it on earth, on earth like it is in heaven. Um, yeah, but okay. Here's what they'll throw at us. Well, you you can't act like that. It's it's Christ's authority. You can't act like. You're the one accomplishing these things. It's Christ's authority. He'll accomplish it. So why are you trying so hard to do it in man's power? Christ is accomplishing it. Yeah. We, if Christ loses here on earth, I mean, if the body loses here on earth, then that means Christ loses on earth. If the the work of the work of Christ and of His church are connected, we are connected by His Spirit. We operate on His Spirit. And if we take dominion on this earth, that means that Jesus have take Jesus has taken dominion on this earth. Yeah, it's it's like sharing the gospel. Okay, Jesus is going to save people, but he uses humans to communicate the gospel, and then the Spirit draws them. In the same way, God uses means, aka the church, to go out and take dominion and grow His kingdom. It's it's not complicated. Just because Christ is doing it doesn't mean we sit on our butts and do nothing. I mean, it's just really dumb to say that post-millennials do it on their own authority rather than Christ. I don't believe in just using the government to take over mm-hmm. to make this a Christian nation. I believe that we incrementally do it from bottom up. I think yeah. that's how we make lasting change. And I think that's how Christ 
wants it, and I think that's how Christ would do it. Yeah, if you if you go out and you make disciples of all nations, which are made up of people. So if you have a nation full of Christian people, well, guess what? That nation is going to look very Christian. All right. So what's our next? What's the next proof text that we have? It is well, yeah, and it's not okay. Let's not even call it a proof text because this runs all throughout the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go to Psalm one ten. Um, this is big for post millennials, and I think a lot of people like it. But for post millennials specifically, it reigns true because we believe this is physical right now. Also, that it's God's favorite Bible verse. Yeah, it's the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. Yeah. When you when you notice it, it's literally everywhere. It is everywhere. Like I said, Hebrews, Acts, and then... But go ahead and read the scripture. Yeah, too. okay. Verse 1. This is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion... Rule over your surrounding enemies. Your people will volunteer on your day of battle and holy splendor from the womb of the dawn. The dew of your youth belongs to you. The Lord has sworn an oath and will not take it back. You are a priest forever according to the pattern of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings in the day of his anger. He will judge nations heaping up corpses. He will crush leaders over the entire world. He will drink from the brook by the road, therefore he will lift up his head. So reading this, you you clearly see that Christ is ruling and reigning and his enemies are becoming a footstool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's not just some exaggerated Hebrew. It's very clear what he's saying is that this is a literal reign a little a literal kingship of the messiah but tim don't you think that i mean we could use that verse for in the future it's probably i mean tim it could be in the future yeah yeah it's it could be like twenty thousand years from now i mean what's going how do we know that this is now it's here and it's wow yeah so um it you got to go to scriptures in the new testament and the scriptures need to tell you when these things are happening. Okay. So the first place I would go is Acts 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and two things to point out. One, when does scripture tell us this is happening? Two, what is the throne of David? Yeah, but Tim, I mean, it's just happening 2,000 years from now. Could be any day, could be any minute. Um, yeah, well, let, let's read the Bible and see if that's true. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll start Acts 2, verse 24. Um, actually, yeah, verse 24. God raised him up, ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me, Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me. 
You will fill me with gladness in your presence. All right, so David is speaking of Christ, obviously. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is you have Christ's death, where he wasn't abandoned to Hades, and he was seated at God's right hand. Mm -hmm. But let's continue. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing, that, seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. So, when Christ is seated at his throne, it happens at the resurrection of the Messiah. So there's your time frame. Gasp. So, was he seated on his throne at the ascension? <laughs> well, let's keep reading. He was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. God was raised with God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heavens, but he himself says, and here's where it quotes Psalm 110. The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Hmm. So, Tim, correct me if I, if I go out of bounds here, okay? Okay. So, it seems that Jesus is reigning now. Yeah. Right, according yeah. to that. Definitely. You, I don't know how you could read that and not come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. So, it's now. Yes. And he's actively putting his enemies as a footstool for his feet. Mm -hmm. So it's not just now, but it's here. It's yes. an active kingdom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just want to make sure. Yeah, and while, while we're on that point, our, our dispensationalist brothers say he's not really ruling until he's physically seated on the throne of David in Israel. But here's the thing. Acts 2 says he is seated at the throne mm. of David. Yeah, and I also want to point something out to my dispensational brothers. <laughs> we do not view you as heretics. Uh, there, there does not need to be a physical David going to... There's, there doesn't have to be a resurrected David um, going to the throne, going to the throne that's not even there in yeah. Israel. That's been torn down uh, or even a, a throne. How would you handle the Davidic throne? That would have to be rebuilt somehow with the materials that were destroyed in the temple. What would you do? I know. It's almost as though it was destroyed in 70 <laughs> AD. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, All the earthly remnants of Israel destroyed in 70 AD. Hmm. Yeah, if, if that's your argument, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. Unfortunately, I think it's pretty clear in Acts 2 what's happening. But, Kendrick, are there any other places interesting to you where Psalm 110 is quoted? Yeah, and I made allusion to this earlier. Um, I mentioned it in Hebrews 10, and we're going to be turning to Hebrews 10 if you have your Bibles. So, he's talking... Sunday School Kenny. So... Um, the author of Hebrews, who is Luke, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's just coming out and saying it, guys. Ha, um, 
Wow, not it's, even Paul. So, oh, he is making this argument for the sac- once-for-all sacrifice of Christ, the once-for-all for our Catholic friends, um, and that the sacrifices were not men, meant to take away sin, but to look forward to the coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he talks about how Jesus. He talks about how Jesus pre-incarnate was willing to take was willing to go to the earth to be a sacrifice for sin. Um, and so he talks about Jesus being this kingly priest figure. And he says, and every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. There it is, Psalm 110. Waiting from that time until his enemies are put as a footstool for his feet. For one by for by one offering he has perfected for all time... Um, those who are being sanctified and the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for for after saying this this is the covenant that I will make to them after those days says the Lord I will put my laws upon their hearts uh, citing Jeremiah 33 now what's interesting about this is that this reign is happening is happening after he made a sacrifice once for all uh, for sins once for all that after Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he is reigning at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. And by the way, in conjunction with Acts 2, this right hand of God means the throne of David. So it's not just some vague uh, physical throne. It's a physical, th- it's a physical but spiritual throne mm-hmm. in the heavenlies. Yeah. Yeah, because Christ is on the throne of David, he has the authority. Mm-hmm. He is the king now. King of kings now. Not in the future. Now. Mm-hmm. And that does have physical realities here on earth. Yeah. Um, if he is... So, Tim. What would your attitude be if he was... If he was... What would you see if he was placing his enemies as a footstool for his feet? Well, I think you would see things progressively getting better. Hmm. I think you would see enemies being defeated. So you would see, like, I'm not sure, the pagan Roman nation that once trampled <laughs> over yeah. Christians become better. Oh, well, yeah, or destroyed and then because it was put as a footstool. Yeah. And then the church is preserved and allowed to grow. Yeah. And then it... Hmm. It goes to all nations, right? Yes, all nations. All nations. All enemies will be made a footstool. Tim, is there any place where Jesus is? Is there any place where Jesus isn't known? Uh, well, America. Oh, no, just kidding. Everywhere. Everywhere. So the so it isn't true that the Beatles are are more popular than Jesus, <laughs> but that Jesus is more popular than the Beatles. Uh no, Jesus is way more popular. He's he's cooler too. <laughs> yeah, he has that slick. Anyways, we're getting <laughs> off track. Um, so I think what we should do in this blast segment is see what objections people, the common objections people have. So Tim, 
What do you think? Do you think that things are getting better right now? Oh boy, yeah. And we, we've touched on this already. Um, if you watch the news, no. Um, obviously, things are bad. Things are just happening all the time, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the reason why the dispensationalist belief thrives because things are just looking bad. But also, what's interesting is post-millennialism seems to be growing amidst things seeming like they're getting worse, Mm -hmm. which I think is just interesting. But, you know, I kind of think of this as like a graph, okay? So people think post-millennialists think that it's just a straight line from bad to good. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, no, it looks more like, um, I don't know, like stocks, I guess, Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's that wavy line along the chart going up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that up and down, up and down, it's still moving upward Mm -hmm. in an upward trend. Mm -hmm. So I think right now we're still in that upward trend, but we're kind of in one of those um, downward lines, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you mentioned stock, because whenever you have stock just keep on going up and up and up and up, mm-hmm. that's not safe growth. Mm-hmm. That's whenever investors get scared. Yeah. Whenever you have stocks that you know go up and then down and then up, that's safe stock. Mm-hmm. That's in, that's considered a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people get crazy whenever the stock goes down, but whenever you look at it from a micro a macro perspective you see that's safe mm-hmm. tim do we treat the christian life like that where <laughs> you know if you go down like let's say you're doing really good and then you and then you kind of i'm not sure have a little bit of a of a down spurt oh yeah it's a downward spiral and there's no coming out of it at that yeah point. You're, you're done you're screwed for the rest of your life man <laughs> no obviously not mm-hmm. we think even when you have those moments that are bad, mm-hmm. Christ is using them mm-hmm. for good to conform you into his image. So in the long run, it's a net positive. Yeah. So it's almost like in our culture today, God could uh, be allowing things to go bad mm-hmm. to cause societal change, which in the long run will be a net positive. Yeah. Um one thing that one of the things that gives me a little bit of hope is that whenever I put my postmillennial perspective in this in this era, mm-hmm. it makes me think you know God might be allowing this so that secularism will never take its root again. Oh yeah, it's like it's like God is exposing all the evil things that have kind of been hiding in the background, and He's just brought them. Straight in front of us. I mean, how many stupid things do we look on yeah. in the internet and just say, you know, these people are stupid. Yeah. But our grandkids, you know, our great 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 grand, our great 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 grandkiddies will probably be like, you know, these people are really stupid. Mm-hmm. How, you know, we can't allow secularism ever to thrive again. Yeah, these things are almost more powerful when they're hiding in the background. But then when they're brought out into the light, they're much easier to kill. Yeah. So Christ is presenting all these terrible things to us. And what's our attitude? We're like, oh, 
Oh, no. Oh, we're going to lose, man. We're losing, man. (laughs) No. These things are going to be put to death. Abortion, it's going to die. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an enemy that Christ will make his footstool. Mm -hmm. So the post-millennial hope is that. Mm -hmm. We don't deny that there's bad things outside our doors, but we believe Christ will defeat them. Mm-hmm. And we're not putting that 2,000 years in the future. We believe Christ will defeat it. Mm-hmm. He's ruling now. Yeah. Uh, it's helpful to have that perspective, especially in this day and time. Yeah. So, Tim, I also want to bring up another common argument. Okay. And... um if you don't mind, I would like to answer this one. Oh, sure, sure, go for it. <laughs> so, one of the things is that um, one of the things that we're often accused of is that um, is that you want to have Christians in earthly government, and that you just want to put, you know, you just want to power grab the government, put all those. Uh, mm-hmm. But all the Christian judges in there. That, that seven mountain mandate, right? Yeah. Um, and yet Jesus says this, that my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. So therefore, all is done and we just need to, to abandon post-millennialism. All that stuff we said before <laughs> doesn't make is nullified. Yeah. But yet, in the LSB, John MacArthur's version, mm-hmm. the the superior Bible. Oh, boy. Um, it says that we got an LSB onlyist in here, guys. I'm an LSB onlyist, <laughs> and so um, he says, "My kingdom is not derived of this world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have its foundation in this world. Instead, it comes from the Father." Yeah, and if you keep reading that passage, he says, "If it was of this world, my followers would be rising up and taking swords." <laughs> but he's saying it's not derived from these earthly kingdoms and powers Christ's authority is above all that and if you want to look at it, it's John eighteen thirty six. yeah uh, so because it's not derived of this world Christ's rule is much more powerful oh yeah if I mean look look at the powers derived from this world you mm-hmm. have secularism you have Marxists but look how stupid they are oh yeah they're they're and the fact that people believe them, we're just so deceived. Mm-hmm. We, we're looking for any hope outside of what we actually need. Mm-hmm. And these, these man-made ideologies just end up destroying cultures and people. Mm-hmm. That would just go in these cycles. Yeah, and I think what you provide is a clear refutation of why we don't believe. We need to just jam-pack the government. Oh, of course not. We need to start... so. I want to bring up some solutions to the... I think it's right to bring up some solutions to the to the problems we have now. What's one solution we could do, Tim? Well, this is kind of a theme, I guess, that runs through all of our things, really. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is just our focus, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but we believe in the bottom-up approach. Mm-hmm. We don't believe in... Putting Christians in power than cramming God's law down on people. <laughs> that wouldn't, first off, that wouldn't even work. Okay. Mm-hmm. God's law was given to Israel, which was, you know, God's people. Mm-hmm. 
So we we got to be careful with how we do these things. So we believe in a bottom-up approach. Um, the first is just to be faithful to your family and your church. The number one means of discipleship and growing God's kingdom is by having fruitful families mm-hmm. with children. Um, raising them well so they don't apostatize and leave the church like mm-hmm. they are today. I got to tell you, it's easier to make disciples in your own home. Oh, yeah. Than to have disciples out. You know, you could literally grow disciples. Yeah, yeah, you can. And it's, you know, you have those kids from the time they're born to the time they leave as adults. If you're finding it that difficult to raise disciples, uh, you may want to self-examine, okay? (laughs) But, you know, in our culture today, a lot of Christian families... Our kids are just leaving in droves. I wonder why. Yeah, it's because we're nominal. We are not serious about our faith. Yeah, we don't teach them to obey. We don't teach them the law, mm-hmm. and we don't teach them the gospel at home. We no, we're like, oh, well, we have we have Sunday, and Sunday morning we'll send them to youth group, mm-hmm. and in youth group they'll drink Mountain Dew and. They'll, they'll play Minecraft, and then after that, they'll get a short five-minute lesson about how they need to not watch porn and have sex with their girlfriends. And then for the rest of the week, we're sending them to public school where all the ki- other kids are having sex with their girlfriends and watching porn and doing drugs. And uh, who, who's discipling your kid, <laughs> your kid at that point? It's the government. Yeah. it's This stuff is so obvious. I don't know how we miss it. And, um, by the way, to Jen Wilkin out there. Oh, oh boy. (laughs) Your kids aren't meant to be your missionaries. You're supposed to be the missionary to the world at your own, at your own work. Your kids are not to be, are not meant to be that way. Mm -hmm. They need to, you need to grow them. You need to be, they, you need to treat them like a tree. You need to nurture them, grow them. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, just a little tangent. I mean, everyone knows it, though. Kids are easily persuadable. If you have someone in authority over them, they're going to be able to be persuaded pretty easily. Like, it's your job to raise and disciple your kids, not the government's. Yeah. um, Whenever in Deuteronomy it says that you're supposed to read that you're supposed to recite the Shema every day. Mm-hmm. That you're supposed to do it whenever you get up, whenever you go, whenever you go to sleep, whenever you go out, whenever you come in. And honestly, we don't have that today. We don't have. And well, by the way, well, I'm Kendrick, not, didn't you know that the Israelites sent all their children to Canaan to be missionaries? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. They sent all their uh, children to Canaan. And yeah. No, they didn't. Yeah, because that would be really stupid to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> They would get obliterated. Yes. Oh, kind of like they are today. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. No, you're supposed to teach them day in and day out. And that doesn't mean having little phylactery, phylacteries on your head and just, you mm-hmm. know, reciting it. That means to actively learn it, to actively apply it. Yeah. I'm just not talking about the Shema. I'm talking about all the law of God. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're nominal. We, we kind of handed over our authority to the state to raise our kids, and we're like, oh. I can't believe they're leaving. 
I just can't believe it, Tim. Yeah, and I know we went on a tangent, but the point is just basic faithfulness grows the kingdom, and we have not been faithful. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's been decline. And to hop off this, I just want to say that the safe, the one of the best things you could do for your loved ones and for everyone is to disciple. I mean, is to disciple people, mm-hmm. to disciple people at your work, to disciple people that you run into the grocery store with. That's one of the best things you could do for your loved ones. If you're like, the world is going to hell mm-hmm. and my, everyone's not safe and we need to hunker down, just go into the bunker. That's not a good idea. Well, yeah, that's a good way to scare people into believing. But that's not making disciples. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. There's a reason why you're locked why the church lockdowns uh <laughs> reading uh watching yeah. uh what was it left behind i left, don't know sorry left behind i wasn't raised in the church cult in the baptist church yeah. church culture yeah so you know i wasn't i mean you need to be able to, there there's a reason why those lockdowns didn't work and that's there's a reason why the lawnmower uh, running with no one on there yeah. didn't work it's because you're scaring them rather than rather than discipling them. Yeah, and then when you scare them and they see that none of these things happen, they just think you're a liar. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it, but I thought about it. <laughs> it's almost like the four blood moons thing. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. You know, fear-mongering it sells. Mm-hmm. You can make a lot of profit on that, and mm-hmm. people have. That's all I'll say about mm-hmm. the four blood moons. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, well, let's close this out. Kendrick, if there's anything we could do to encourage people, where would you point them? Well, I think I would point them back to Matthew 28, that Mm -hmm. Jesus has authority on this earth. He is reigning. He is protecting you. And he will protect you as you go into the world. Jesus said, don't think of anything while you're being persecuted, for the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to say. Mm -hmm. That is, in a sense, Jesus protecting you. He is protecting you with his spirit. He is protecting you as you go out and disciple them. And he is protecting you as you, in this dark age of the world. Yeah, and I I guess to close us out, here's how I'm going to encourage us we're we're surrounded by enemies they want your children they want your families they want to destroy you what you need to do is man up pull up your britches go outside join your brothers in the battle it's we've had enough with people sitting around doing nothing and complaining we're tired of the security of feeling like you're a loser. Get out of that. Join us. Join us in the battle. Christ will make his enemies a footstool. Are you going to help him or not?